All right, we are here on uh, the threshold of a brand new year. Uh, 2022 wasn't all that great, but it was probably better than 2021, and it was certainly better than 2020. So what will 2023 hold for us? Some people would say that whatever it holds for us, we're all in the same boat. <clears throat> but is that really true? I got to thinking about that, and we might all be in the same ocean, but we're not all in the same boat. Some of us are on rafts, just barely barely rowing towards our destinations, and some are on canoes, and some are actually in yachts. Some of us are headed upstream, rowing against the flow, and some people are headed out into uncharted waters. Some folks brought along popcorn and Kool-Aid, and some brought along caviar and Perrier water. Same ocean, but very different experiences for all of us. But one thing that we all have in common is that we have a choice to purpose our lives to live for God. Or we can purpose our lives to live for ourselves and not want to make any spiritual difference in the world at all. And that's what is ahead of us at the brand new start of a year. A lot of us don't have a choice regarding the boat that we're in. That's where we're at. But we all have a choice as far as the direction that we're rowing and the purpose that we have set before our lives. And I say all of this as a prelude to where we might find ourselves at the end of this year. Are we going to be in the same place that we are right now? Or are we going to make changes in our lives to be the people that God has designed us to be? How are we going to choose to live our spiritual lives? Are we going to make plans or are we going to be on automatic pilot? What we're going to do this morning is use the sixth chap chapter of Daniel, what Laurel and Greg just read, as a roadmap to help us to live the most consistent life that we can to be spiritually successful this year. We're going to try to adopt Daniel's life methods to ensure that we will have more of an impact on our little portion of the world this year. I think we would all agree that there are defining moments or objects or relationships in people's lives that become something of an icon for those individuals. It doesn't happen to everyone, but it happens to a lot of people. It's one event or one thing that defines them as a person for the rest of their lives. For instance, I might ask you what you think of when you 
hear of Hitler? Your response would probably be the Holocaust or Jews. Maybe Putin. Ukrainian invasion, a defining moment. Or how about Franco Harris, the immaculate reception, the greatest play in football. And it's not just our modern culture that I'm referring to. If I asked a group of people whether they were spiritual people or atheists, uh, a set of relational questions, I would bet that 100% of them would be able to come up with the same answers that we might come up with. If I said, Noah, what would you think of? Ark? Sure. If I said, David, you might think of Goliath. If I said, Daniel, probably the lion's den. And each one of these individuals had a lot of other noteworthy elements in their lives, but these are the things that they are long remembered for. Noah lived an exceptional life before God. David was a king and a man after God's own heart. And Daniel, well, he stood his ground to overcome odds that were incredible on many, many occasions, if you read through the book of Daniel. But the lion's den was certainly a culmination of a distinguished life, one in which God had honored him time after time throughout his, his life. And maybe you find yourself today as somebody who feels like God's at work all around you, but not particularly in your life. Other people's lives are, are going pretty good, and you, you feel stagnant. You don't really experience those divine moments. If they come your way, you feel like you miss them. And somebody else gets to cash in on your divine moment because you didn't. Spiritually, it seems like you're always a day late and a dollar short. Nothing seems to make a difference. You long to be the center of, of what God is doing, but you really don't know how to seize those divine moments. Some folks mistakenly try to anticipate where God is going to go, and they jump on board when that happens, and that's really not the way it works. If you look at the patterns of Scripture, you simply have to be ready when those divine moments come, and they will. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Anybody remember who Eric Rudolph was? He was the bomber at the Atlanta Games, uh, Olympic Games. And he was captured on May 31st, 2003, by a young patrolman, a rookie, 21-year-old rookie, a guy named Jeff Postel. And there were hundreds of FBI agents looking for this guy and thousands of law enforcement officers. They hadn't been able to accomplish what this guy did, capturing the most wanted fugitive in America. And how did he do it? Well, he was working the graveyard shift when he spotted a suspicious man crouching in the middle of an alley behind a shopping center, and it was him, Rudolph. 
At first, Postal thought that he had just nabbed a run-of-the-mill bad guy, but he later discovered that it was Rudolph who had been on the, on the run for seven years with all of law enforcement looking for him. And when asked, he said, hey, I was just doing my job like I do every night. And there's a moral in that. Important things happen when we keep our daily routine. Officer Postal seized the moment, and we can learn a lesson from him. He captured Eric Rudolph by doing what he'd always done, and when the opportunity came along, he seized it. And the same thing is true with divine moments. Seize your divine moment by practicing something that would be called a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. That was Daniel's pattern. He didn't draw up a, stat, a strategy or a five-year five plan for impressing the king. He just followed God for the long haul and took the opportunities as they presented themselves. I think we'd each see a whole lot more divine moments if we practiced a similar pattern to Daniel's. Long obedience in the same direction. So for our journey through this coming year, we are going to use Daniel's example of how he lived his life as a pattern for our own and see if the year 2023 doesn't end up being a year of tremendous spiritual impact. So how did Daniel accomplish this so consistently? What character qualities can we pick up from him to apply to our lives so that we can seize divine moments in 2023? Well, the first thing that he did was he exhibited excellence in every environment. Anyone who has even casually read about Daniel's life realizes that everything he did, he did well. As a young teenager, he stood out in his studies. The very king who had taken Daniel and his people into captivity promoted him to the highest position in the land in his administration. And Daniel demonstrated proficiency there, too. He studied hard, and God put him in a place of influence. As an adult, Daniel demonstrated the same commitment to hard work and excellence. And despite his captivity, he gave every task 100% because he was doing it for God, not for himself. And there was a new king in town, and he quickly recognized Daniel's work and his ability and promoted him above all the people in the land. As near as I can tell in trying to, to look at Daniel's life, Daniel was about 80 years old at this time, a time when most folks are thinking about when they're going to take their next nap. Daniel was out there doing God's work and giving his best effort to everything he did. 
The stories about him suggest that because of his faith and his commitment, because he exhibited excellence in every environment, God empowered him with supernatural ability. <coughs> Casually read the Bible and check out the heroes of faith that we hold up even to this day. And in almost every one of them, you'll find that God called them to their divine moment when they were in the midst of doing their normal work. When was Moses, what was Moses doing when the burning bush came along? Shepherding sheep. What gave David the courage to take on nine-foot-tall Goliath? He trusted God, and during the course of every day, when he was out there in the fields, doing what he was supposed to do, protect the sheep, he killed a few lions and bears and and he got the job done just in the course of his day. What was Elisha doing when commissioned by Elijah to be Israel's new prophet? He was plowing a field with a team of oxen. Jump to the New Testament, you find the same thing. What were Peter and James and John doing when Jesus called them to come and follow him? Mending their nets for another day of fishing. Even Paul, the first missionary to the non-Jewish people, was in the midst of doing what he was doing. He was killing Christians. But God used even that, his determination and his commitment, to turn him around and make him the most prolific writer of the New Testament. And he turned his zeal in the right direction. You might be sitting there saying, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm not called to do big things like Paul or Peter. <clears throat> but maybe you were. Maybe your divine moment in 2023, the one that defines you as who you are, is right ahead of you. God can use you. And he might just use this year to say, hey, I've got a job for you. God can and does use anyone. But he tends to pick people, if you notice, who are committed to excellence to pull off what God wants them to do. He chooses those who are not just running with the crowd, but doing what God wants them to do. You think about John Wesley, the guy that, that founded the Methodist movement, which used to be something really special. He was on the road so much sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with other people that he had to read while he was, while he was riding his horse. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to read. He was so busy. And God used his commitment to excellence to change the spiritual environment of an entire nation. For the life of me, I can't imagine somebody like Mother Teresa vegging out in front of the TV with a bag of chips and a big gulp. I think she was probably busy doing what God wanted her to do. <clears throat> and these folks were used by God in mighty ways. 
They seized their divine moments because they exhibited excellence in every environment. They all recognized that God deserves nothing but their very best, and they did it. God is so committed to us that he gave us his, the gift of his son to die for our sins. That's a pretty big commitment. And I think we'll all begin to see a little more of God if we adopt this same concept of commitment. So what else did Daniel do in the sixth chapter there that was noteworthy? Well, he <clears throat> insisted on integrity at all times. And integrity is one of those words that's a little bit difficult to define. But it's what we are. It's what we're really made of, the inside person that we are, the sum of our values and character. There was a movie several years ago now called The Legend of Bagger Vance, and it was about a, a golf match set in the 1930s in Savannah, Georgia, involving golf legends Bobby Jones, Walter Hagen, and a hometown ace called Randolph Juna. Not many people have ever heard of him. And on the final hole of the 72-hole competition, all three golfers were tied. Juna hits his tee shot into a wooded area. And if this works, you'll see what happens next. And there it is. I don't know. And it didn't work. Anyway, what happened next was he's, he bends down to, to clear a little bit of shrubbery from around his ball, and his ball moves about two inches. And he looks down, and there's a little kid with him. And the little kid adores Juno. And the kid says, nothing happened, nothing happened. He said, no, the ball moved. I've got to take a stroke. He said, no, he's begging him, please don't, please don't. Nobody will know but me and you. He goes, that's right. I will know, and you will know. That's integrity. He went ahead and told the officials that he had to add another stroke. And he won the match anyway. Integrity is honored. Daniel had integrity at all times. He seized his moment, and no one could ever question the legitimacy of that moment in Daniel's life, not even his own conscience. Daniel had integrity at all times, and when his fellow administrators became envious, they searched for reasons to try to get rid of him. And they searched diligently, and Daniel gave them nothing because he had integrity that he practiced on a ba daily basis. And integrity is important if you serve God because he's a righteous God, and he always does what is right, always. He has complete integrity, and as his people were to reflect that integrity, 
of always doing the right thing, no matter who's looking, no matter what. And if we adopt that in the year 2023, I think we'll see changes in our spiritual lives. The third thing we can take from Daniel's life is to devote ourselves to spiritual discipline. It's something that is a rarity this day and age. As the church declines, as interest in spiritual things decline, the concept of spiritual discipline is something that has to be so purposed in our lives. So the king issues a decree, no prayer, for 30 days. And what does Daniel do? Goes back home and prays. Not as an act of defiance, but of the concept of doing what he always did. He knelt down, he opened the windows, and he prayed to God in the direction of Jerusalem because he had a practice of reading his Bible. And the scriptures that he committed himself to, he found that when God's people had had committed themselves to his word, God acted in their lives. God's people were instructed to pray, and the land of Israel would be delivered in second in first kings 8 all daniel was doing was being obedient it was an act of faith not an act of defiance and it was daniel's devotion to prayer that got him into the hot water that he was in as far as the lions den but it was also his devotion to prayer that let him seize that divine moment when we devote ourselves to Spiritual discipline, like prayer, Bible study, fellowship, worship. We put ourselves in a position to hear from God and to understand what he wants us to do. Spiritual disciplines help us to connect with God in a really, really deep way. When divine moments come along, we can seize them just as Daniel did. And the fourth thing that we can take from Daniel's life and apply to our own is to establish a track record of trusting God in everything in our lives. Daniel had broken the law. He's hauled before the king, who realizes too late that his administrators had duped him, had tricked him. And the king hires the best legal defense he can to try to get Daniel out of this situation, do anything to shift the odds in Daniel's favor, and he could come up with nothing. The king had to follow his own law, and no matter how stupid or unjust it was, Daniel was put into the lion's den. But just before the stone is rolled in place and Daniel's only escape is sealed, the king says something very interesting. Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. I think that's profound. Here's Darius, a pagan king. And what's he doing? He's professing faith in Daniel's God because of the way that Daniel lived. And I think it's incredible. 
You see, Darius knew Daniel's history. He also saw from personal experience that Daniel was the real deal. If a pagan king believed, how much more must Daniel have believed? Now, it's evident that Daniel trusted in this situation. In the past, he'd been able to do certain things like not bow down before idols or he'd be killed. And this time he was told that he wouldn't fail. He was completely innocent of wrongdoing, and he knew from personal experience that his God, who was just and faithful his whole life, would show the whole world. And he did. The point is that Daniel's track record of trust gave him the strength to endure the risks, even in the face of them. He could have missed these divine moments by being a little more secretive with his prayer. But he didn't. He knew he could trust God. These divine moments that you face require more faith from you. They'll get riskier, they'll get harder from a human perspective. But when you see them through the eyes of faith, they're not really more difficult. We can seize those moments anytime. But your track record has to be one of trusting God. Excellent, excellence, integrity, discipline, and trust. This is what it took in Daniel's life to be the man that God formed him to be and to make a significant difference in people's lives. So like I said earlier, seize your divine moments by practicing long obedience in the same direction. That's what Daniel did. It wasn't an overnight sensation, no flash in the pan. He was a long obedience in the same direction. To be honest, after I studied this passage the last couple of weeks, I became a little troubled. I want to seize God's divine moments, too. And I find that my excellence falters, my integrity slips, and my discipline gives way to default mode a lot of times. And my trust sometimes wanes. When I compare Daniel's long obedience in the same direction to my life, I feel like I came up short. But before I did, God reminded me that he's still on my side. And he's on yours, too. He wants to use each one of us in 2023 for his purposes. He wants us to seize those divine moments and do great things for him. He can do a lot with our simple desire to change. So make a commitment. Tell God that you'll practice long obedience in the same direction. Ask him to make you a personal, a person of excellence, integrity, and discipline and trust. Seize the moment today and be prepared to seize the divine moments in 2023.